weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. There have this has long been a struggle about the role of women in the church. And the reality is, it, to me, it's crystal clear. God made them male and female. Equal. Different, but equal. Amen? He took part of him and put it into the female he took part of him and put it into the male and you never know the full expression of God until you are mature enough to be willing to listen to both voices come on we need to get to the place in the body of Christ that we recognize there are some things that women do better than men. And there are some things that men do better than women. And we should be okay with that. If you, if you have a gear, a gear by itself does nothing. You need a, a, two gears to make anything move. And and I, you know, we're living in a time when, when we are so divided as a people, and it's a shame when we're divided in the body of Christ. The truth of the matter is, God made them male and female. And it helps us to recognize that diversity and honor it. This morning, I've invited a number of women to to share with you from their hearts they were given a carte blanche they can they can share whatever they want to share some of you look at me like I'm crazy you know that that's what we said they can share whatever's on their heart to share but they got five minutes to do it okay we're calling it five minutes of mom fire and um, if you've not been here before how we do five minutes of fire the first person will come up They'll share from their heart what God has for them. They got five minutes to do it. The timer will go off. They sit down, hopefully, and the next person comes up and shares. And, um, and we got five of them coming. So just right off the bat, I, I shared with these ladies, I appreciated their, their, their courage. Can we let them know even before they started that we appreciate them? Amen. Some of them have never been here and shared before, so um, this will be a treat. BJ, she's the first one. Morning. Happy Mother's Day. So, you think you're in charge? Think again. <laughs> um, I just want to read Jeremiah 29 11 through 13. God reminds us, he says, for I have, I know thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace 
and not evil, to give you a future and a hope, and then you will call upon me, and you will go and you'll pray to me, and I will listen, and you will seek me, and you will find me. That's encouraging. That right there tells us he's in charge. Um, uh, And then he also says, when you search for me with all your heart, and in the beginning of 14, he says, uh, I will be found by you, says the Lord. That's that's really important. Um, we tend to, as mothers, think we're in charge, and especially trying to raise kids. And it's really hard to let somebody else take charge. Um, We have a lot of plans for those kids, and sometimes our plans aren't always the best. Uh, Proverbs 19.21 reminds us of that. Um, God has, uh, people have a lot of plans, but God's plans will prevail over ours. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, don't be anxious. And with all things, with prayer and thanksgiving. That's something that we forget to do is not to be anxious when our kids are doing things that we don't approve of or care about. We tend to want to take hold and we need to let God because he's the one that's in charge. We need to, we need to trust him. Um, in Luke and Matthew, he says, don't worry about our life, what we wear, what we eat. Um, he's got it handled. Um, in Proverbs uh, 16, 4, and 9, the Lord works out everything to its proper end. Um, I know this probably wasn't five minutes. But this is pretty much what the point that I want to get across. We need to trust. We need to trust God with with everything, because He's the one that's in charge, Amen. not us. When we got ready to move out here, um, I had made it quite clear that I was not going to live in a, a condo, a townhome, or an apartment. God says you'll live where I tell you to. First place we lived in was a duplex. And it was fine. It was cool. And everything was good. We lived there for two years. And when we had to move from there, I said the same thing. But because of all the old houses around here, I said, and I will not live in an old house. He says, nope, think again. I'm in charge. We moved into a house that was built in the 30s. We lived there for two years. And it was fine. Those are just a couple examples that... um, of that he is in charge. Um, and that's what I have to say.
I'm used to preaching in Spanish, so gracias, Señor, por ese día. Gracias por las mamás. It's been 10 years since I've preached in English, so give me a minute. <laughs> my first experience with knowing about names was when I went to my Spanish class. The first day of Spanish class, my teacher said, you get to choose your name. And I didn't know where even Stacy came from, and so I, I looked it up, and there was in Google then. I had to research it. And it came from the name Anastasia. And Ana Anastasia, Anastasia means resurrection. And my mom didn't know that, but boy, my God did. Um, 1 Samuel 1.20. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Samuel means God heard. And he came from Hannah. And Hannah means he came from grace. First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain, in affliction, not just labor pain, in affliction pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. God called him out of his name because he asked that he would not cause pain. And then he blessed him. In Genesis from 29, the chapter 29 and chapters 30, and even going into 35, um, we are talked about or given the story of the children of Jacob. And Jacob had two wives. One was Leah and one was Rachel and a couple others that were handmaidens. But the story of Leah was that she was the unloved one, but she was fertile. Rachel was the loved one, and she couldn't have children until God intervened. But the story goes this. Leah was going ahead and praising God all the way through because she could have children, and she gave them these names. Reuben is, God has seen my misery. Simeon, God heard me. Levi, God has attached himself or joined himself to me. Judah, praise. Dan, God has justified me. Naphtali, God has seen my struggle. Gad, meaning a troop. A lot of them are coming. Or God has given me good fortune. Asher, happy. Issachar, God has rewarded me. Zebulon, God has honored me. Joseph, May God increase me. And then Rachel's last son, born out of her dying in childbirth, she named Benoni. Whereas Jacob said, uh-uh, he's going to be the son of my right hand. Here's what God did for you through the lineage of Jacob Israel. He saw your misery. He heard you. He attached himself to you so you could praise his name God justified you. He saw your struggle. He gave you good fortune. He made you happy. He rewarded you. He honored you. He increased you. And when everything to you was just trouble, he gave you the right to, be called, to sit on the right hand of the Father. God said he's going to give you a new name. You don't like the name you've got right now? In Revelations 2.17, he sees, he's got a name written on a white stone. He's going to give you a change up. 
And he says in Revelations 3:12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. It's not only you get yourself a new name, he's going to give you and put on you his name for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. I've got five minutes to talk about a mother's love since it's Mother's Day. And I'm going to start off with summing up uh, first, first Kings 3 and 16. A mom's love is it's crazy, okay? I'm just putting it out there. It is absolutely crazy to somebody that don't have any children. You would look at these moms like, my Lord, why are they doing that? Why are they saying that to these poor children? (laughs) So I'm going to start off with uh, 1 Kings 3, 16 through 28. It's to sum it up. It's two harlots, and they live in a house. Well, they share a house. And one has a baby. Three days later, another one, the other one, has a baby. Now, the second one, she goes to sleep at night, rolls over on her baby, and it dies. So then they start, the second mom decides that she is going to switch the babies and the mom that has the baby that's alive uh, she notices she she looks at the baby and she knows that it's not hers so to sum it all up they go in front of King Solomon and he probably thinks my lord these women are crazy I mean, seriously, because they're arguing, that's my baby, and no, it's my baby. And so he's like, you know what, ladies, bring my sword, okay? You know? And so finally the mom that has the baby that's alive, she's like, no, no, we'll share this baby. That's a mom's love. A mom's love is crazy, very crazy. Bless you. And so now moving on, Ira, if you want to put up the verse, Proverbs 620. Uh, Some translations say command or law, and some uh, says teach. Let me see, where am I here? My son, obey your father's commands. And don't neglect your mother's instruction. Some say teaching. So I'm going to end with this. Now this is some of the craziness that 
when I was little, my mom would say to me to get me to do things, okay? It's going to be fun, okay? Mothers teach us foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident, okay? That's starters, okay? Mothers teach us about logic. If you fall out of that tree and break your neck, do not come running to me. Okay? <laughs> Mothers teach us maturity. Eat your vegetables or you'll never grow up. Mothers teach us religion. You better pray. That comes off of the carpet. Mothers teach us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you in the next week. <laughs> Mothers teach us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. <laughs> Mothers teach us about contortionism. Will you look at the dark on the back of your neck? Mothers teach us about perseverance. You are going to sit here until you eat every last bit of that broccoli. Mothers teach us about genetics. You are just like your father. Mothers teach us about the weather. It looks like a tornado was swept through your room. And the last one. Mothers teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and honey, I can take you out. All right, I'm not going to be as funny as her, so I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I want to start with Psalms chapter 18, verse 2 and 3 pretty simple. I don't have a whole lot, but I, I hope this blesses someone. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I will trust. So I kind of want to share a testimony almost, and we'll get back to that. I think it was last week I was able to go to a doctor's office for unfortunate reasons, but I got there way early, and I'm just sitting there hanging out, and I didn't know why I was there that early. And this woman comes in, with her daughter who has, I, I couldn't even tell you what was wrong with her, but I knew that she was in a car seat strapped to a wheelchair and she was having a hard time and this mom was having a really hard time keeping her cool. You know, things were just a bit hectic at the moment. She's trying to get her to quiet down and I was so overwhelmed to just go pray for this mom and I almost didn't. And I sat there and I tried to reason with myself how I wasn't going to make a difference. No matter what I said, you know, I'm not worthy enough. I went through the whole long list and I sat there and I just, you know what, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to ask her to pray and she's going to tell me no. So I went and asked her to pray for her. And she was overwhelmed by it. And then she cried. <laughs> and I knew I got to bless her. And I got to tell her how much Jesus loves her. And there was another mom in the waiting room too and she goes wow I can actually feel the presence of God and I'll be honest I don't even know what I prayed for I went over there knowing that you know Holy Spirit you got you have to say something because I've got nothing 
I didn't even really want to do it, to be honest. And I know that sounds crappy, but it's the truth. All I had to do was just say yes. That was it. All I had to do was trust him. I mean, what was the worst that was going to happen? Like I said, she's going to say no. The Lord is my fortress. He goes on to say, and my deliverer, in the verses after this, and just lists all these great things that he is for us. So if he's that for me, and he asks me to do something, as long as I say yes, like you were saying, it was crazy. I can't fail. That's, that's not an option. There's nothing that's going to happen if I step out and I say yes. Those two moms got to be blessed just because I said yes. There was nothing that I said. There was nothing I did. All I had to say yes do was say yes to Papa, and he was able to bless them. And I thought that was just, you know, that was really cool and so pretty simple, but I hope that blesses someone. If, if you think that you're going to mess it up, even if you did, you said yes. And nothing... Nothing could go wrong. If that's the Father who loves us, nothing can go wrong if we just say yes to him, and that's that. So it's interesting because BJ had the very same scripture that I had. Now I understand. So I love how God works like that. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So this really hit home for me. Our daughter, in about 2012, we'd moved into a new house. We brought one of our cats with us, and his name was Frankie. He was, he was everybody's favorite cat. He was crazy, and he would jump up from the ground all the way up to your shoulder, and you never knew when it was coming. It would be like, oh, oh, my gosh. And, and you know, and he was, he was great, but one Wednesday night, we were just new coming to church, too, so we're, we were new Christians at the time. And my daughter, Kristen, loved this cat, and... Um, Sure enough, just quickly, the cat became sick. And right as we were leaving for church, she's like, Mom, can we just stay home? I, I, I don't feel like he's going to make it. Mom, I want to stay home. And at the time, we're, we're like, Kristen, we, just ha we have to go to church. And so um, we prayed for the cat before we left. And sure enough, by the time we came home, I wish I could tell you a miracle happened, but it didn't. The cat died. So immediately, Kristen was mad at God. She shut God out. He couldn't save her cat. She was devastated. It, it took years to get through this process of, of her losing this cat. And uh, sure enough, if you could put that up there. Sure enough, this is Ginger. I call Ginger gingivitis, okay? She is like the worst infection ever. She is rotten and wild and she'll she's like a tornado that she'll knock over furniture she'll bite your face she'll get you when you're not looking um so lo and behold mind you we have three cats 
we do. Currently, I did not want another. I was set. I'm done. And lo and behold, Kristen, this happened in August. So this was uh, eight months ago. So August rolls around. Kristen has to go to a friend's house. Well, sure enough, the friend had kittens. Mom, kittens are dying. I need to take this one. And I'm like, just what I need, another cat. You know, I can't. And I'm thinking in my head, I don't want this, God. I don't want this. And for the life of me, I could not say no. So she ends up bringing this cat home. And it's full of fleas. It's on its deathbed. And I'm like, this thing ain't going to make it. You know, this is what I'm thinking. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's get some Dawn. I hear that's good for animals, right? So I'm, I'm going on a whim here. So we get some Dawn. I give it a bath in the kitchen sink. And it dies in my hand. No joke. Kristen's right there. Her friend is there who gave us the cat. And all of a sudden, I take the cat, and I start rubbing it. Oh, Jesus. And I start speaking in tongues. And I'm like walking through the house. And I've got this cat in bubbles. You know, the bubbles had stopped coming out of the nose because I guess it must have swallowed some water in there. And it just, it died. And so as I kept rubbing it and speaking in tongues, miraculously, I started praying, God, restore this cat tenfold. Give it life in abundance, Lord. Give it so much life. Let me tell you, when that cat came back, it has every bit of that. Every bit and more. I was like, oh, Lord, I asked, and that's what you gave. So let me tell you, that restored Kristen, okay? She got to see the love of God through a cat that she would have never seen any other way. So God restored her. But on another hand, in the Bible, the pool of Bethesda. Is it Bethesda? Is that how you say that word? Yes, thank you. There was a man who had been laying there for 28 years. I'm sorry, I wrote this down. I'm forgetting now. But um, he, let me see, it says, where are you? Oh, now a certain man, it's John 5, 5. Now a certain man was there who had had an infirmity for 30 eight years. That's a long time. So somehow that came in, but we'll get to that. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Well, anybody who's sick wants to be made well, right? Oh, instead of saying yes, guess what he said? Well, nobody is going to put me into the pool. I've been here a long time. Nobody's, nobody's helping me. So Jesus said to the man, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked. So God gave him that command, okay? So a couple days go by. Jesus goes into the temple, and he sees this man. He sees him, and he's like, Oh, look at you. You're, you're well. The man didn't come up to him. Oh, most people, when they've been healed and set free and, and all these things, mind you, that man had been crippled for a long time. No, no, no. He, he said, um, <laughs> he basically kind of blew it off a little bit. Um, instead of saying thank you, he tattled on Jesus. He went and he tattled and told the Pharisees that Jesus did this for him, to him. So, Here's the thing. Out of all those people sitting there at that pool, 
Only one could be picked at a time. But Jesus comes into town, and he goes, hmm, out of all these people, you. I want to heal you. He knew this going in, that that man would not, he wouldn't be thankful. He would tattle on him. He would just kind of reject him. Basically, Jesus had to hunt him down to say, look, you're all better. If God's willing to do that and restore that man to full who doesn't even want it, imagine what he can do for us. Praise the Lord. That was rich, folks. That was good. Would you stand to your feet? our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.
That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.